Okay, good morning. Today, Bezat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Chaf Gimel in Maseches Nazir. Um, just got back from Israel, so hopefully Eretz Yisrael Machkima, we'll learn this stuff over there in the empty inbal pool that nobody knows about. Simon Wolf and Shalom Rosner were the MP3 because I kept it local, Barry. I kept it to my Beit Shemesh friends uh, when I was there. We do the Ari Libuitz Shlita in, uh, that's Tyrus Chutzlaretz, that theirs is Tyrus Eretz Yisrael, but it's all amazing. We're going to also, as always, Lil Nishmas of Chaim Zeb and of Avram Arno Levi, whose presence was very much felt at the Bar Mitzvah of Shai Blas. Zalzan Gezunt, Levi Badal Lechaim Tovim Varuchim, and it was amazing. And so Mazel Tov to the Blas family and to Shai in particular. And Erefur Shlema for Penina, Rachel, Bas, Tzviya, Basia. Penina, Rachel, we're not sure what she has, but she is in the ICU. And may she have a very, very speedy and complete recovery very, very soon. Okay. So now, we're at the top, at the Mishnah. Okay. Chaf Gimel Amad Aleph. Okay. So a woman makes a nether, she should be in the zira. This is not necessarily a good thing. But to add insult to injury, Barry, what kind of business is this? The hachis, right? She, she's taking on multiple violations here, Andrew. She's intentionally, right? She's intentionally violating a Nazirah. So being a Nazir, it's controversial enough. But now, what do you get for violating Nazirah? First of all, lo yachel dvaro, right? Anytime you violate any kind of vow, right? That's a lav that you're doing. Right? It's a lav that has an action associated with it. It's an act, active violation of your neder. And that receives malchus. We learned that in Davchof Beis in Masechus Makos, right? So you get malchus for that. Now, in addition to that, the Nazir himself has a separate, right, Isurim of, of Yain and of Tumla Mesim, and that is also a lav, right? So that's one of the things that's, Fascinating, right? Which is that you can generate Isurim de Oraisa. That's one of the things about Nadarim in general and Naziris in particular. You're, you're making these things also to you. Mida Oraisa, which is to say the consequences will be for Alav Sheesh Bamaisa, the consequences will be Malkus, as the Mishnah continues to say. Hare Zu Sofeges Esar Yeah, she's going to absorb those 40 lashes. She sure will. So again, as I, as I just pointed out, uh, the Gemara's, uh, first of all, it should be obvious, the Gemara's going to point out soon enough. And also, it happens to be, oh, actually, the Gemara already pointed this out uh, two days ago. And, and what they mentioned was that this is actually just a contrast with the Sefer of the Mishnah, right? What, what happens in a case where there's Hafaris Nadarim? Aha. If the Baal, right, this is a married woman, uh, let's say, right, because she's Haisha. Haisha Nicknase, right? So this is a married woman. So if her husband uh, is made for her nether, and she, then she thinks she's violating the nether, but she's not, how does that work? And that really becomes a topic of our Mishnah and a to- topic of our Gemara. But let's uh, just point out over here, and when it says, Arezu Sofek as Tzarbain, she's not only going to get 40, well, really it's 39, but she's going to get the multiples of it, right? She's going to be high of Malchus multiple times, We'll learn soon enough, Bezrat Hashem and Makos, how that works when you get multiple sets of Makos. But, but suffice it to say, she has violated the Isser in the standard case. So no real big Chiddush there. 
right? Over the nether, over the naziris, that is the, how we set up our case. But where we get to the meat of the Mishnah is as follows. Hey, for Labala, but if her husband was made for her nether, now, of course, it doesn't matter whether he did it after or before uh, at night, right? Does the hafaris nadarm work retroactively, right? Let's say he was made for the nether after she already drank the wine. What would happen then? She was made for her nether, so she really never was able to be in Nazira, or was she in Nazira until he was made for the nether? That's, that's the topic that we already talked about. But be that as it may, hey for Labala, if the husband was made for it, lo for Labala, right? So before we get into the issue of when he did the Hafaris Nadarm, let's just highlight the fact that she was unaware of the Hafaris Nadarm. So this is a Hafaris Nadarm without her das. Right? But it's the same case. In other words, without knowledge of the fact that her nether had been revoked, she's drinking the wine, she's, she's touching mason with impunity. Amazingly, she does not get Malkus. It's a question whether he is, Rabbi Huda is actually uh, it could be that it's the same, that, that the Tanakhama would hold the same. Uh, that is not entirely clear. But the bottom line is what Yehuda is saying is she doesn't get the 40 lashes, as we call them, the Makos Mida Orisa, but she gets Makos Mardus, which is the Makos that the Chazal, the Darbanan, had the authority to give. They have authority to give Makos to somebody. It's patterned clearly. After the Makos Mida Orisa, so you could say, well, wait a minute, um, like Allah al-Maisim, what would be the difference uh, in terms of the consequences? It feels the same. Lashes are lashes. Uh, well, first of all, okay, there's a difference between whether you're Chayim Darais or Darabanan, but the rush, uh, quoted by the art scroll over here, says that it's possibly done with less force when it's Midarabanan. Like the, like, you know what I mean? Like when, when it's a holy war, like when the Torah sanctions it, you could put your, your elbow grease into it more. Whereas if it's Midar Banan, then you got to, you know, mix it in with a little bit of Rachmanus because it's not really sanctioned by Hashem in a direct biblical way. So maybe you're going to, you're going to half send that, 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 uh, that lash. Okay. Is the uh, Isur of cutting one's hair as a Nazir or a Zira applicable to a woman as well? Oh, that's a, so, so Barry asks an interesting question. He says, we see over here that the Mishnah only mentions Yain and why does the Mishnah not mention cutting the hair? Why didn't it say that she made the neder and she, and she cut her hair? You know, I'd, I assume that cutting hair would be also to the woman as well. Uh, maybe it's because her hair is covered. I don't know. Uh, maybe it's what you're saying. Maybe because she's a woman, she's allowed to cut her hair because that is... Uh, more maneuver for a woman to not be able to cut her hair? I, I don't actually know the answer, but I don't see anywhere in the Torah where it makes a distinction between a man and woman with regards to their hair cutting. Um, or maybe you could say that because women often grow their hair long, so then letting the hair grow out is not so distinct, distinctive for a woman, and therefore the hair is less emphasized when you talk about the naziris of a woman. So you bring up a good point that I hadn't considered. Why is it not talk about the issue of cutting the hair? So I have homework to do because I'll, I'll, I'll uh, get back to you. But my assumption is that it would be the same issue. Then it would just be a question of why the Mishnah doesn't mention it. So thank you for that, Ha'ara Barry. We'll get back to you on that.
Uh, somehow I went to Eretz Yisrael, and he got the Avirus Eretz Yisrael Machkima. Very, I guess because we're all a unit, we're a soul cluster. So you got the wisdom of Eretz Yisrael vicariously through my, my being there. Okay, good question. Let's see the Gemara. And I'll try to get back to you, Blinander. Okay, Tana Rabbanon. So now it's like this. Isha Haifiram Vashem Islachla. This is the classic Pasuk where you see that a Baal can be Mayfair, the nether of his wife. And when the Pasuk says that, it says that a Baal can be made for the nether. And what happens? Hashem yislach lo. Hashem consequently forgives her. Okay, well, that implies that he has to forgive her for something. In other words, right, when you say that the hafaras nadarm is accomplishing the, not just the removal of the nether, but it accomplishes atonement, right, and forgiveness. So obviously, this seems to imply that there's something to be forgiven for. Says the Gemara, Right? So, if you just read the Pasuk, and you said, well, Hashem will forgive her, then the Pasuk shot might be that Hashem's forgiving her for what, Andrew? He's forgiving her for having made the nether, I guess, in the first place. <laughs> right? And that would go according to, let's say, Bar Kapara, who says that just making a nether in itself requires some form of forgiveness. But the Gemara is reading more into the Pasuk. The Gemara is saying, no, when it says Vashem Yislach La, she did something wrong on top of that. So therefore, it infers that what did she do wrong on top of that? It must be the case of our Mishnah. It must be our case where Isha Shehefer La Bala, the Bala is Mefer Hanedav Lo Yad Ah, right? And without her knowledge, and therefore, that's why she Yitzricha Kapar's Uslicha. And therefore, we're learning an important idea that Hashem Yislach La means that what? The woman thought she was doing an Avera and despite the fact that she attempted the Avera, Barry, she attempted to violate her Naziris when her husband um, revoked her neder, she actually got forgiveness without even realizing it. In other words, she thought she was doing an Avera, but it was an Avera Bishogeg, right? It was an Avera meaning where it was not really an Avera, right? She thought she was doing an Avera, but in fact, she was not. It was a non-Avera with Kavana for an Avera. When you don't do an Avera, even if you have Kavana to do an Avera, Hashem forgives you, right? Hashem forgives you. You intended to do an Avera and you didn't. Hashem forgives you. That's actually astonishing, so astonishing, Andrew, that it caused Rabbi Akiva to cry. It says the Gemara, Rabbi Akiva, it's a pasuk zeh. Rabbi Akiva read the pasuk exactly how our Gemara describes it. He understood that the woman actually wasn't just making an Aziris vow. She was trying to violate it. And yet, Hashem forgave her. He, would, he cried. This is astonishing because Rabbi Akiva himself takes a lot to get Rabbi Akiva to cry, right? He saw wolves uh, walking through the ruins of the Chorban and he laughed, right? He, he met his own demise as one of the Sarah Malchus burning up and he smiled and took it as an opportunity to say Shema Yisrael B'chol Vavcha B'chol Nafshecha and drank in the, the flames like as if they were a cooling refresher. So I'm saying, but this made him cry. Right, the perspective of the Godel, Rabbi Akiva, that, that he saw the Yad Hashem and everything, and he saw the turning of events, 
and he looked, was able to turn everything to a positive, but this actually uh, caused him to pause, to take a double take. Why? For the following reason. Well, let's take the inference here. Let's say a person intended to eat chazer treif. But instead, he was just eating regular lamb chops. So, certainly, right, he's going to need kaparo slicha. So, Rabbi Akiva is trembling from this. Because it might be true that this woman gets kapara slicha, but she was saved by her husband unknowingly. But the bottom line is that mi'ikar hadin, right, halachically, she didn't do any avera. In other words, technically, she did no avera, and the only thing that remains to be forgiven is her intent. Wow. So that means that when you did an aver with that intent, you still need forgiveness. This caused Rabbi Kiva to tremble. He said, you're saying every time that I don't intend, I still need, uh, I still need to have kapara and slicha? So you're saying that every time, all, all I, that just the intention to do something wrong is something that Hashem is very aware of. And when you have the intention to do something wrong, then you're going to, right, you're going to be requiring atonement even if you didn't do that thing wrong. That is very, that is very frightening indeed. Uh, of course, right, Bezdin is not going to be able to, Bezdin is not going to be able to punish you for that. I seem to recall that what, in the Sheva Mitzvah Bnei Noach, maybe you, uh, one of the distinctions between the Sheva Mitzvah Bnei Noach and the uh, mitzvahs that we have is that they, they can be actually physically um, punished for intent. Be that as it may, right, in Olam Azeh, the our courts, our Bate Din, can't punish you for that. But the point is that Mishamayim, right, Hashem knows, right? So Hashem's going to have to have give you Kaparo Slicha. Well, all the more so, al-achas kama v'kama, if a person is actually has the intent and on top of it follows through, al-achas kama v'kama, he's going to need, right, atonement and forgiveness. That is amazing, right? Think of how much compounded that, that Avera is. That caused Rabbi Kiva to cry to think about, right, how intense you compound your Averas when you have the thought and follow through with action. It's something to be scared of indeed. Okay, now, Similarly, you might say, right, that if a person may actually sins, but he didn't know, right, so v'nasav, no, he also has, he also has a sin. In other words, this is the case where he actually did sin. So again, there's two components. There's the machshava, the thought, to do the sin, and then there's the following through. So just like if you don't do the sin, but you have the thought, you're going to need, right? You're going to need atonement. So here, right, we talk about a, an asham taloi, a person who did what? He has to bring a, a korban asham taloi. This is in Vayikra, in the Pesukim, where it describes the asham taloi. What happened there? There, he did the actual action, but he was unaware of it. That's the shogeg. And there too, he only has one of the components. He doesn't have both the awareness and the action. He only has the action, but still, it's also considered, right, Something that requires an Hashem Talui and therefore something that also requires Kapara. And says the Gemara, Ma Mishin Iskaven Lalas Biyodabisar Talet. 
right? And therefore, the uh, right the parallel with regards to the chazer uh, the chazer case would be that you meant to eat the kosher lamb chop, but in fact, physically, you ate the chazer treif. Right? So, so for example, so that would be, right, so that would be another example where you thought you were eating kosher, but you're eating treif. So there you're physically eating the non-kosher and therefore you're going to, re- but you know, you didn't realize it. So therefore you're going to require kapara. Or for example, he, uh, you had a piece of, let's say it looked like fat. You're not sure. Is it actual shuman, which is um, kosher fat? Or chelev, which is non-kosher fat, as we'll learn in chulin, the distinctions of the different parts of the animal that are kosher and non-kosher. Or different, uh, right? So, amar kra, v'nasa avano. The Pasuk there says also, nasa avano, right? And therefore, uh, in those cases, there is, despite the fact that you had no intention. Now, of course, in the second case, it's a suffix, right? So, is that really no intention? That's different. Our Gemara will point that out. But be that as it may, if you do not have f- full intention to do Navera, if you technically did violate the Avera, you're still going to have some atonement to do. And the Brisa continues to say, Right? So, obviously, a, an extension, just like Rabbi Kiva said, with regards to the woman who intends to do the Avera, but technically does not, that shows you that if you both intend and do the Avera, then you have compounded Avera. Similarly here, if you do the Avera without intention, you need Kapara al-Achas Kama If you actually have both the intention and violate the Avera, all the more so, you're going to have so much uh, to atonement to do. Now, Yisib ben Yehuda Omer, Velo Yada ve'ashem no. Wait a second. Let's look at that Pasuk again with regards to the Asham Talui. The person had no knowledge and he has his sin, uh, his avon. A person who intended to eat a kosher lamb chop and instead uh, was eating a pork chop, right? This is, um, this is something that unfortunately could happen, right? Somebody, let's say, says that his place is kosher and it's not, or uh, it's kosher style and the person doesn't know better, right? Um, right, so if that's the case, uh, or the chelev and the shuman often looks the same. Chelev is not kosher and shuman is. Vinasavano, he has to, again, a little bit of repetition over here, he has a sin. Right? And, al davar ze yidvu hadoivim. On this matter, doiv, uh, those who are sensitive will in fact be sensitive, right? In other words, if you're really sensitized, uh, to all of these, um, right, to this idea of how powerful this sin, uh, this sin action could be, you'd actually, this would really, uh, this would really resonate with you, as it did with Rabbi Akiva. Now, again, in the Bryce of this, there's two different, there's two different explanations with regards to the Schumann, two different cases with regards to the uh, Schumann and the Chelev, right? In the first case, you're talking about Suffolk Schumann, Suffolk Chelev. The second case, it's two pieces, one of Chelev, one of Schumann. 
Uh, that's to, right. You would think that the second case is a little bit more, as we already pointed out, a little bit more parallel because if you have a suffix, maybe you shouldn't, you shouldn't touch that. So the Gemara is going to analyze as follows. The Gemara says, lamali. Why do we need to have all of these cases? So it says the Gemara, right? Why do you need to learn it in our Mishnah and then this Brisa? Why all these examples? Well, if you only learn by a woman who tried to break her nether, that over there, right, she only needs the kapar of slicha in, in, in that case because she really had a full intention, right, to do the aver. Now, he thought it was kosher in that case, right? So I, why, why does it say suffix shel chedev, suffix shel shuman? It's just, that's really how you... Uh, that's really how you say the case, right? Where you have, in both cases, really, the, of the, in both cases of the Mishnah, of the Brisa, rather, where it talks about the Chelev and the Shuman, the individual thought he was eating kosher. That's, that we have to um, explain right away. In other words, he didn't have intention. He didn't know that it was like a suffix. He said, ah, oh, whatever, I'll eat it anyway. That was not the case. The case was that he thought it was actually Shuman. And he intended to eat it, Beheter. So, lo bai kapara slicha. So then you might think, in other words, what the, what the Gemara is saying now is that it's something which actually makes a lot of sense, right? If a person thinks he's doing something good, so maybe kavana should be, right, more actually, it's like Ms. Asik, right, on Shabbos. Maybe kavana should actually uh, not require kapara. After all, you know, stuff happens, right? Like, why would you need kapara when you had no intention at all? So in that sense, the, the wife who fully intended to do Navera just happened to have luck out that technically she didn't. Well, she certainly, for that thought alone, she should have some, some version of kapara. But why would you say that the opposite, that the converse is true? That if you had no intention at all of doing Navera, but it just so happens technically you got one in your ledger, why would you need kapara, right? Low by kapara sickle. That's what you would think. And yet you do. That's what we have to teach you, that no, sometimes even though it happens, it's like a, a form of what you would call moral luck. For whatever reason, it was destined that you have this Avera and you, have to, and you should do Kapara because it happened to you. You might say, Barry, that, uh, and, and I've seen this in some of the uh, Mepharshim, Tzadikim, Hashem protects them from these things, right? We've had, we've had examples of this already where um, in Masechus Shabbos, right, where Tzadikim were protected for violating what would have been inadvertently serum of Shabbos. So Tzadikim are, in fact, uh, going to uh, merit, usually, protection, which is to say, if something happens to you, or an Avera is one of those things that could happen to you, one should still, you know, do, do some tshuva and figure out uh, what's, what, what, hack, what actually led to that consequence, and that's a part of Kapar as well. And that's what we learned. However, but then if all you said was this, this case where you actually did an Isser, you might have thought the opposite too, that in the case where she didn't technically do any Avera, if you only learned the case of, the, of, the, uh, of where the Avera was actually technically done with the Chelev and the Shuman, maybe you would not have guessed that the woman would have to 
require kapar slicha. So therefore, that's where you have to learn our mission as well. Okay, but if you only learn that case, those cases, you thought that they, you would think that those are the only ones where you need kapar slicha. Right, because there there is no actual iser present. The ikva isura, right, getting back to ksubis, daftas, right, with the tesha chanuyos, where you have a, a definite, uh, a definite iser there. In other words, what happens in that case? Um, the case was, you have two burgers, you know one of them is from Mickey D's, and the other one is from kosher bite. You just happen to have thought that the kosher bite one was the, you right, you got them mixed up. And you thought you were eating the kosher bite one. Well, wait a second. You know that there's a chance here. I wouldn't say that's a suffix, right? You think that you're sure that you're eating the kosher bite one. Yeah, but you know that there's presence of Issa there. Maybe there, right, kapara wouldn't be enough. Right? Kapara there perhaps wouldn't be enough um, because you should have been a little more careful knowing that there's the Issa standing, staring you right in the face, Right? Uh, maybe you would need a stronger type of kapara, as the Mepharsh explains. Kamash malan delosh, no. The Torah says, no, no, no. Just because you knew that there was a problem, a potential problem, you still were sincere in thinking that you avoided the problem, then technically it turns out you were wrong. It's the same as if you weren't aware that there was a problem at all. Um, and so that's the Chiddush. Okay. So that's what we need, all three cases in our Mishnah. So now we're at the first wide line, uh, towards the end there. Amar Rabbi Barachan, Rabbi Yochanan, Let's talk about let's talk about the intention of tzaddikim and rishayim. Okay, so the pasuk says in Hosea that tzaddikim right go in the yasher way, and in that same yasher way, the the transgressors right are going to stumble. What does it mean? So mashal adam Let's take the following example. Two people are roasting their Karm Pesach. One of them, the Tzaddik, is eating it but for the sake of the, of the mitzvah. Right? He wants to perform the mitzvah. The other one is just eating it. He was already full and he's eating it for the taste. He loves it. Whoa. He who ate it for a mitzvah, that's a tzaddik. The same carbon Pesach eaten just for gluttony is going to do an Avera. Wait, I'm already shalakish. What do you mean? High Russia car slay? Rabbi Yochanan is using this example as the same eating could be a tzaddik or a Russia. Rabbi asks, why is the person who's eating it for the taste and gluttony a Russia? After all, like, is he a bad person? He's eating the carbon Pesach. He happens to like the taste. It's like the most delicious shawarma you ever had. Right? So, what's wrong with that? Uh, Dr. Kelman in Shomer Muna has a whole shear on the, all the halachas of the carbon Pesach, the exact animal and the exact slee and the exact, all the things that, ha- that, um, that we learned in Masechus Psachim make the most delicious possible meat you could ever have, right? The age of the animal, all of those things play into it. And he has the whole chemical reaction explanation of how the aromatics get infused. So it's the most delicious, it's meant to be the most delicious delicacy. 
So, anyways, right? And bring, when he when he does the shear, it's a great shear because it gives significance to all those things. It makes it uh, very. It makes it very real. Be that as it may. Why is that erisious? To enjoy that? You're supposed to eat it in the oven? You're supposed to enjoy it? Okay, so he was full and he ate it. But why is that Russia? Okay, so he didn't do the best mitzvah with all the proper kavanas and areni mukhanum zuman. But but at least he ate the carbon pesach. Okay. So says the Gemara, so, so for that reason he throws it out. Now the Tosos over here, Pesach Miyaka Ovid, points out that wait a minute. Are you sure that you that you actually were yotze the, the carbon, eating the carbon pesach? After all, don't we say by Yom Kippur that achila gasa lav achila that if you're eating it and you're already full and it's achila gasa, so then it's not achila at all. So maybe you should say that he was not in fact right yotze the carbon pesach. So he says no. There's two different kinds of achila gasa. One is when you're so full that one more bite of anything and you'd like puke, right? You just can't take it in at all. That's the Achila Gasa that you are not going to be high for in Yom Kippur. But, you know, it's like there's always room for the d- dessert. There, there's a lot of gluttony that goes on before you get to that point, right? When you're already satiated, Andrew, and this is a good time I meant to tell you, you should only eat, right, to, to serve Hashem and to give you the energy to serve Hashem. But beyond that, recreational eating is also a form of Achila Gasa, and that could be considered rishus, but you're still going to be, right, yotze the mitzvah, and therefore to call such a person who's yotze the mitzvah, and that's what's talking about in the Karim Pesach. And therefore, since he is actually, uh, actually yotze the mitzvah in that scenario, so then Reish Lakish is not comfortable with calling him a Russia. Okay. Even though you and I both know that, you know, he's, his head's not necessarily in the right place, but not enough to be called a Russia. Okay, so let's change it, says Reish Lakish. Ella, Mashal Shnebne Adam, Ze Ishtava Choso Imo, Ze Ishtava Choso Imo, Ze Ishtava Choso Imo, Ze Ishtava Choso I guess the mom and the daughter are spitting image of each other. One ends up somehow with his wife, which is a good thing. The other one ends up with his uh, sister, which is a erva, which is a terrible thing. And both of them did it like not really on purpose, but so was the moral luck, right? That's how it happened. Right, so he who ended up with his wife, which is supposed to be, so that's the good thing. That's Sadiqim Yechubam. And the same kind of kavana, but a different result. The guy who ended up with his sister, that's the Poshim Yikashlubam. Says the Gemara, what? Me dummy? Is that really, we said, you're walking down the same path. Is being with your mother, being your sister, really walking down the same path, but having different consequences? It's two different paths entirely. Shnei drachim. So you say, no, okay, you're right. That, that, my bad. Let's try another mashal. El mashal lot imo. Let's take this case. Lot, as we famously know, uh, ended up, right, uh, escaping for Sodom. Wife turns around, turns in a pillar of salt. So now it's just Lot and his two daughters. They think the world, they think it's Armageddon. And, you know, you can understand why. So the, the daughters want to restart the world, repopulate it with, with their father. So, Hanshin is coming to Shem Mitzvah. So, one of the daughters intended to do it, L'Shem Mitzvah, right, of Puravu. Uh, in other words, she wasn't into it, but she needed to perpetuate mankind, and that was a tzidkis. Okay, so that's already interesting. The fact that it would be a tzidkis, even though it was an Avera, is an interesting thing. And who should he discover the shame Avera, right? Uh, whereas Lot, so here it's saying that both daughters apparently did it, L'Shem Shemaim, but Lot, in fact, had Kavana 
to do Nevera. He did? I thought he was drunk. Well, let's see the Gemara. So at this point, he thinks that the daughters were in the right and Lot was in the wrong. Says the Gemara, First of all, maybe he intended to, 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 to do the mitzvah. The Gemara says, You have to look at the context. When you look at the context, you see that what? That Lot was not in a good place in terms of his avodah Hashem. Why? So now he, he dissects the Pasuk, right, of everything that led up to it, an incredible psychological insight. He goes all the way back to where, right, to Bracious Gimel, where Lot and Avram uh, part ways. And what was it that drew Lot? The Stultz, right? Lot was drawn by the materialism and the lushness of, of, um, of Sdom. And it was that which triggered an entire lifestyle of, right, sometimes you pick a path, Rahman al-Itzlan, that's not the right path, and that sends you down, right, like a whole path that led to him eventually with his daughters, even though you can't draw a straight line, that one is causative of the other. As it says in the Pasuk, the Pasuk says, Right? Lot is looking around, him and Avram, and Avram are going to part ways, and he just, his eyes get wide, Right, with seeing the materialism of stone, and he just goes right to it. Says the Gemara, Vesalot, when the Pasuk says Vesalot, that is embedded in there is Avera from Vitisa Aishas Onavesenea. When Aishas Potiphar sees Yosef with immoral thoughts, right, uh, that is, right, so the Tisa and Vaisa, those are correlated. As Enav, his eyes became wide, Kihi Yashra Be'enai, that's when. Shimshon tells his parents, right, what happened? He saw her with his eyes and he strayed after his eyes, guys. And so that was also embedded in the action of Lot. In that very first sight of Sdom, all of that materialism got him his heart pumping and it was a causative. One thing leads to another. Vayar. And Lot sees, going back to that Pasuk, Vayar Shechem ben Chamar. That harkens back to when Shechem sees Dina and leads to the whole licentious affair Thereafter, right? These are all words alluding to other places in Tanakh where, where, all, where, where bad thoughts, right, were, were motivated. At Kol Kikar Yarden, again, back to Lot seeing the whole Kikar Yarden, Ki Ba'ad Isha Zona Ad Kikar Lechem. This is a Pasuk in Mishlei. That means by Zona, uh, when, when a person is with, uh, goes down the road of Znus, He'll end up sort of like uh, addicted and obsessed to the point where he'll go down to the poverty of of, uh, of having just bread. That's what it means in Mishlei. And again, kikar, kikar, kikar yarden, kikar lechem. The correlation embedded in the words of Lot, uh, or the thoughts of Lot. Kichula mashke. He sees that the entire plain is well irrigated. That is going back to elcha acharei mahavai nosnei lachmi umeimai tsamri ufishti shamni vishikuyai. Do you remember that Pasuk from Hosea, Andrew? So it says, I'm going to go after my Oavim, who give me bread and water, my wool, my oil, my drink. Basically, I'm going to go after, right, the same route, right, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to basically pursue all of these, right, material things. Oh. So we see that Lot's intentions were not good. And that already started from the very first moment when he saw Sodom. But the Gemara still persists and asks, V'hameinus honest, but wait a minute. All this can be well and good, but at the end of the day, we know the story. We read it in the Chumash. He was drunk, 
right? So that's an anus. How could you say that he's the one that had the bad thoughts and his daughters had the good thoughts? So the Gemara answers, We learn the following, Right? In fact, the Pasuk says, that right? So they got him drunk. They didn't know What does Avav teach you? That the that they didn't know that he didn't know when she when she lay down or when she got up. What does that mean? Ah. Why is Lot culpable? Because when the first daughter was with him, he didn't know. But when she got up in the morning, he knew that something had happened. And therefore, what should he have done? Ask the Gemara. What should he have done? At that point, it was too late. Says the Gemara. No. Well, guess what? If you realize that drinking wine is how this started the first night, and then you realize that, you're, you're, that one of the daughters slept with you, maybe the second night you should lay off the wine. You know what I mean? Maybe you shouldn't have another uh, uh, go at the bar uh, the second night because you should learn your lesson, but he did not. And that is how we know that he did not do the right uh, thing. What does it mean when it says in Mishle that like a rebellious ach from, uh, from a city, a strong city, as we turn, and contentions are like the bar of a castle. Right, the rebellious brother from a strong city is Lot when he chose Dome. When he left Avram, this lose the fact that Lot ended up causing beef and strife between Klal Yisrael and Amun Moav, the Midianim. Because as we know, as a consequence of all of this, well, it led to, right, Amun and Moav came from the daughters of Lot, and ultimately later on, as a consequence of that, again, a a startling lesson of how our actions have a ripple effect. Ripple effect. Amun and Moab are not allowed to join Bikal Hashem. Now, when you say you keep yourself apart and you seek your own desires, but you're still exposed in all ways of wisdom, let's have, let's, this is a Pasuk in Mishlei, it says, right? it's referring to Lot. What it means is, when you have the wrong intention, ultimately, guys, that is going to be revealed. And it's nisgalek klono, right? It's exposed. It's non, because we have the following halacha. Halacha that we learned in the Mishnah and Yavamas already, in Ayin Vav, which is, that Amun and Moab are Asr, which is to say, every time we see that Amun and Moab is Asr, we are reiterating essentially what was uh, Lot's intention, right? It's implied because of the fact that that's why they are, because they are in fact also to us, and that is reminiscent of that. Now, so we just said when you have, right, these two outcomes, they can be determined by their intention as follows. Amar Ula, Tamar Zinsa, Zimri Zina. Sometimes you can have the same action, but it's two wildly different intentions. Tamar was obviously with Yehuda, and that was not a proper act. But it was a different intention entirely than Zimri and Cosby, right, at the end, uh, with Pinchas, right? Because Tamar, because Tamar had proper intentions. She had Malachim Nevim famously come from her, David Melch. Zimri Zina, Naflu Alav, Kamar Ravavos Meisrael. When Zimri, right, was, uh, did, did it, 24,000 Jews died as a consequence of that. So obviously, the intentions matter very much. 
Okay? Now, what about, that's when you do the wrong thing for the right reason, sometimes it's okay. What about, it, so what, what, what is about doing the wrong thing for the right reasons? Can you sometimes do that? Unbelievable. That Avera, the wrong thing for the right reasons, might be even better than a mitzvah for the wrong reasons. In other words, the intention matters so much. Says the Gemara, This is a really good question. Didn't we already say that when you, uh, that sometimes you can start doing a mitzvah, but eventually that's still better because eventually you end up doing it. In other words, how could you say that an Avera is as good, right, or better, right? So let's say it's not better. Let's say we go like the Rush, which says it's as good. I can say an Avera Lishma is as good a mitzvah shalolishma. Doesn't a mitzvah shalolishma lead to a mitzvah lishma, which is ideal? How could that be as good as the Avera shalolishma? So that's what the Gemara says now. I'm sorry. Let's say it's as good, but that's still quite astonishing that it's as good as mitzvah shalolishma. How do we know? What happened with Yael? She killed Sisra, but before she killed him, she had to seduce him. And, and, she, and that was an Avera, but she did it Lishma. Ma Nashim Sheba Ohel. And we say that she should be blessed like the Nashim Sheba Ohel. Who are the Nashim Sheba Ohel? So her action in seducing and then killing Sisera was as good as all the Imahos. To which, Amar Yochanan, what happened? Sheva Be'ilos Balos Arash Bosasha. In that night, there were seven Be'ilos that Sisera performed. Shanema, Bain Raglea, Kara, Nafal, Shachav, all these different allusions to them being together. And each one counts as one time that they were together, counted up, and it's seven. So as the Gemara asks, isn't it possible that she enjoyed that? So Rabbi Yochanan answers, and therefore it should be a violation. One man's trash is another man's treasure. Yeah, if she would have been a Russia, she would have enjoyed it. But guess what? A tzaddik doesn't enjoy it. Hashem tells to Lavan, don't speak to Yaakov at all. Don't say anything good or bad. I understand, don't say anything bad to him. Why shouldn't he say anything good to Yaakov? Yeah, because whatever Lavan thinks is good, that's not even good. It's really actually bad because he has a broken moral compass, right? So don't talk to him at all. So we learn a lesson from this. That for, so what Sadiqim think is good may actually, what Rishayim think is good may actually be bad. So we'll resume tomorrow with Gufa, the two dots, about a third of the line up from the bottom of Chavkim Alamed Bez.